you have your Bibles, please open up to the book of Romans, chapter 5. You see the title on the screen this morning? Invest in your king. It may sound like an odd title. Yet in the pages of the Bible, we read of those that invested in their king. Invested in his plan. And is this Jesus. Would a people have this heart? Those alive today in this time in history, a people with heart, desire, drive, a relentlessness, the relentlessness of one that is determined to invest in the king. You know, the king has invested in you. What an investment he's made. And even if you're here today and you are not saved by the blood of Jesus, he has invested in you. He died on the cross for all who are yet sinners. He's invested in you with his very life. An investment worth far more than silver or gold. Jewels or precious stones. Romans 5.8, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Thank the Lord for his investment. The praise be given to the Lord for the investment he has made in us. The Voice Bible reads, think about this while we were wasting our lives in sin. God revealed his powerful love to us in a tangible way. The anointed one died for us. Are you here today and you're still wasting your life in sin? I have news for you today. Jesus Christ died for you. The investment is sure. The investment is real. The message paraphrase reads, He didn't and doesn't wait for us to get ready. He presented himself for this sacrificial death when we were too weak, far too weak and rebellious to do anything to get ourselves ready. And even if we hadn't been so weak, we wouldn't have known what to do anyway. We can understand someone dying for a person worth dying for, and we can understand how someone good and noble could inspire us to selfless sacrifice, but God put his love on the line for us by offering his son in sacrificial death while we were of no use whatever to him. 
Today is the day of salvation. Turn to Jesus. Give your life to Jesus. Quit gambling with eternity. And let his investment in you grow and flourish and multiply greatly. Why this waste in light of the Lord's investment? To think that he invested in us. It's amazing that the Lord never uttered those words as he took to the cross, as he was nailed to the cross. So he never uttered those words. Why this waste? As he hung there to die on the cross, he never said, Father, why this waste as I pour out my life? An investment into wretched humanity. You know what he said? Luke 23, 34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. While we were wasting our lives in sin, Jesus made the greatest investment. Why this waste? I've heard those words before. These were the words spoken in light of the investment made by another investor. The investor, a woman. And where was the investment made? In Bethany, at the house of Simon the leper. We turn to the book of Matthew, chapter 26. Beginning at verse 6, And when Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, a woman came to him, having an alabaster flask of very costly fragrant oil. And she poured it on his head as he sat at the table. But when his disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? This fragrant oil might have been sold for much and given to the poor. But when Jesus was aware of it, he said to them, Why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a good work for me. An investment made. Passion translation reads, a woman came into the house holding an alabaster flask filled with expensive fragrant oil. She came right to Jesus, and in a lavish gesture of devotion, she poured out the costly oil, and it cascaded over his head as he was at the table. There was an investment made that day. Invest in your king. This woman invested in Jesus before Jesus died for her. Think of it. This woman, this sinner in need of a Savior, this saint in love with her Savior, she had to invest in her King. She had to get some perfume, some fragrance on Jesus. 
this heart, this determination and this desire, no matter the cost and no matter what others might think. Invest in your king. Why this waste? No. This was the surest investment she would ever make. An alabaster flask of very costly fragrant oil filled with expensive fragrant oil. The New Living Translation, meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. While he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume and poured it over his head. The disciples were indignant when they saw this. Why this waste, they said. It could have been sold for a high price and the money given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, replied, Why criticize this woman for doing such a good thing to me? You know, I want to ask the question, have you ever made an investment and received criticism? An investment in the king and received criticism? J.B. Phillips, New Testament, Jesus knew what they were saying and spoke to them. Why must you make this woman feel uncomfortable? She has done a beautiful thing for me. You have the poor with you always, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she was preparing it for burial. I assure you, that wherever the gospel is preached throughout the whole world, this deed of hers will also be recounted as her memorial to me. Invest in your king. Have you ever made an investment and been made to feel uncomfortable? Have you ever been bothered because of your investment in the king? The Amplified Bible, they were indignant, saying, For what purpose is all this waste? For this perfume might have been sold for a large sum and the money given to the poor. But Jesus, fully aware of this, said to them, Why do you bother the woman? She has done a noble, praiseworthy, and beautiful thing to me. What might the flask represent today? Concerning us, what might this beautiful alabaster flask of very costly fragrant oil represent today? What might it house Would we have the heart, the determination, and the desire to invest in our king, the one who made so great an investment in us?
Will there be criticism? Will we be made to feel uncomfortable? Will we be bothered? Well, I ask, would this stop the offering? Would this halt the outpouring? Would this terminate the anointing? Would this take the heart out of us? The desire and the determination to invest in our King? Because of criticism? Because we're made to feel uncomfortable. You know, we can't go back and make the investment this woman made. However, we can make our own investment in the king on this side of his grave. She made an investment in the Savior before the cross, breaking the flask and pouring all out on the one who would be broken and poured out for her. And here we are, on this side of his grave, on this side of the tomb, and it is our time and hour to make an investment in the Savior, the one who is now seated on the throne, the Lamb who was slain, our Jesus who has been given the name that is above every other name. I want to invest in my King. And I trust that's a cry of your heart. The heart, the determination, the desire, the relentlessness to invest in the one that invested in you. And the reality is, he's still investing in you. He's still investing in us. He's still investing in our families. I hear the words of Psalm 116, verse 12, What shall I render to the Lord for all His benefits toward me? The message reads, What can I give back to God for the blessings He's poured out on me? The heart, the desire, and the determination of those set on investing in their King. You say, I don't have much to give. I don't have a flask of very costly fragrant oil, a beautiful flask. I don't have much to give. Well, above all, Jesus wants you a flask of a life. flask of a life and it's in our hands to break before Jesus be broken before Jesus and for Jesus to be poured out for Jesus and poured out upon Jesus you see I don't have much to give he gave his life for you You can give your life in return. Make an investment in your king. Can we take a trip to the book of Mark? 
Mark 12, verses 41 to 44. Now Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money into the treasury. And many who were rich put in much. Then one poor widow came and threw in two mites, which make a quadrant. So he called his disciples to himself and said, I guess it was lesson time. He called his disciples to himself and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury. For they all put in out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty put in all that she had, her whole livelihood. The widow's two mites and her might. It was. The message reads, one poor widow came up and put in two small coins, two measly cents, a measly two cents. Jesus called his disciples over and said, the truth is that this poor widow gave more to the collection than all the others put together. All the others gave what they'll never miss. She gave extravagantly what she couldn't afford. She gave her all. In light of who Jesus is, we're no more than two mites. But two mites in the treasury of the king goes a long way. You know, some are so calculated in their investment in the king. How about one might? Or half my might? So calculated. Man, am I glad Jesus wasn't so calculated. Gave it all. Invested in us, in humanity. The Voice Bible reads, this poor woman has given God everything she has. You say, I don't have much to give. A flask of a life. Just two mites. In light of who Jesus is. Well, Give God everything you have. A beautiful flask of very costly fragrant oil or just two mites. What might these represent? And perhaps in this moment your mind is fixated on a certain thing. What might these represent? Our lives. Our devotion. Our love, our affection, our worship, our commitment, our time, our resources, our gifts and our talents, 
our finances. At our outpouring, some may cry, why this waste? And criticize and try and make us uncomfortable and even bother us. But let's remember that Jesus is all that matters, not the cry of those that don't get it. Don't be bothered by those that don't get it. Reading from the book of John, John 12, verses 1 to 7, Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. There they made him a supper. Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box. And he used to take what was in it. But Jesus said, let her alone. Now, it's true that some speak against the outpouring because it flows contrary to their waywardness. It irks them. It displeases them and vexes them and annoys and bothers them. It even makes them mad. They cry, why? In the face of such an investment. The Voice Bible reads, Judas Iscariot How could she pour out this vast amount of fine oil? Why didn't she sell it? It is worth nearly a year's wages. I mean, think of it. The money could have been given to the poor. This had nothing to do with Judas' desire to help the poor. The truth is he served as the treasurer, and he helped himself to the money from the common pot at every opportunity. Jesus, leave her alone. You know what all the criticizers hear the words of Jesus? Leave her alone. Leave them alone. Why criticize? Why make them feel uncomfortable? Why bother them because of their lavish investment in the king? Leave them alone. These are Jesus' words. Not some disciple. Not the words of some preacher. Some saint. These are Jesus' words. <laughs> Leave her alone. The woman in Matthew came to him. In another gospel, it records that the flask was broken. 
I want to share the words of Charles Spurgeon. Study carefully the story of the enthusiastic Christian woman who poured the alabaster box of very precious ointment upon the head of our ever-blessed Lord and Savior. Honored as that action is by the universal church of God, it did not escape criticism among the religious people of her own day. The disciples censored her, but Christ defended her. And in the course of his vindication of her, he said, Why trouble you the woman? For she has worked a good work upon me. There is no reason for troubling gracious men and women. Especially no cause for doing so when their work is good and is done for their Lord. Yet there are plenty of critics around us this day. And we could spare a few of them from our own immediate neighborhood. They are only able to worry us so far as we think of them. And therefore, we will let the wasps alone and feed upon the honey which flows from the lips of our Lord Jesus. Observe that this woman had worked a good work, good in intent and good in itself. Her Lord said so, and his verdict ends all debate. Wow. It's all the criticizing. The words of Jesus. Leave him alone. Why put it in the book? It's there for a reason. Isn't it true that we can all come to the place where we have that critical spirit? We start to make people feel uncomfortable and bother them because of their lavish investment in the king. For whatever reason, a broken flask. Why? Why break it? Well, hear these words. We know from another evangelist that she broke the alabaster box. Was there need for that? Not in order that the ointment might be poured forth. She might, we should suppose, have opened the box in a less hasty manner. But the manner of the gift has frequently as much in it as the matter of the gift. She broke the box to display her eagerness and to show that the choicest thing she had was not good enough for Jesus. She banished every notion of economy when she thought of her Lord. If she had possessed 10,000 times as much, she would have given it all to him and have poured it out without a thought. She did not count her offering a lavish expenditure. She would have made it lavish if it had been in her power. She would have no saving pots, no calculating of pennyworths. When he was in the case, there should be no trace of stinginess in her homage to her Lord. It was therefore as necessary that she should break the box as that she should pour out the ointment. 
for she wanted to show that she loved her Savior immeasurably. And she wished to express to him as best she could her intense veneration of him and her ardent affection for him. Had some of us been there, we might have called it eccentricity or fanaticism or waste. But she did not care what onlookers might have to say. Her only consideration was what Jesus might think. To please him was the height and range of her ambition. Happy woman to have reached this gracious absorption. The manner and the matter. This gracious absorption. The heart. The desire, the determination, the relentlessness of one set on investing in their king. No matter the criticism, even if they're made to feel uncomfortable, even if they're bothered. Have we any costly thing like an alabaster jar hidden away? Matthew 26, verse 10, Jesus understood it, and he said unto them, Why trouble ye the woman? For she hath wrought a good work upon me. You can have the worship team return today. You know, besides Jesus, we can be any of the characters in the story. You're like, I want to be Jesus. No, you can't. I'm sorry. You can't be Jesus in the story. It's impossible. But we can be any of the other characters. There are many investments made in this life in which we live. And these are necessary and right in their place. Time investments. Social investments. Economic investments. Oh, for the heart of those that invested in the king. That invested their lives that invested their devotion, invested their love, invested their affection, their worship, their commitment, invested their time, their resources, their finances, this display of eagerness, not counting the investment lavish, no trace of stinginess, but investing to show a measurable love for the Savior and to please Him. The height and range of ambition. Oh, for the heart of those in this day that would invest in His plan. Invest in His mission. Invest in His vested interest. What else? Invest in people. His people. 
Billy Graham said these words, people are the stocks into which we are to invest our time. The best of all investments you can make is to help people come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And he went on, he said, you can make a commitment right here and now. I'm asking you today not to graduate, but commence a new life for God every step of the way. Invest in your king. Lord, grant to people that invest in the building of your church. Invest in the building of your kingdom. Invest in who you are, our Jesus. There's no aim today to force any into such an investment, to coerce, twist the arm. There's no aim today to force any into such an investment. This is something that cannot be forced, lest it be fake. Every one of us could be the investor in the story and have those words of Jesus spoken of us. They hath wrought a good work upon me. Let's stand in the house of the Lord today.